Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, sponsored by Buzzing Sounds Recording Studio. My name's Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us once again for episode number 36. This is the review podcast for the Vikings at the Lions. I'm joined as ever by my four co-hosts, Aaron Fletcher, Martin Birrell, Ryan Fard, and Anthony Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, boys? Very well, thank you. Glad the season is over. Well, it could be better if... You know, the, the, the whole country is now in another, sh- well, still in a shit situation that feels like it's just got worse. But, yeah, the Lions season's over. We can we can look forward. Yeah, somehow the Lions have had a better season than the UK, um, <laughs> which, uh, if you're not from here, has been topped off by another lockdown announced yesterday. So we're all in, in terrific spirits with the, the weekend's game and, and the season in general. But we'll move on to the Lions now so we're going to start off with some news we're going to have a look at the vikings at the lions and then a bit of the head coach gm stuff and a look forward to 2021 and the schedule which now is locked in so we will start with some roster moves five players have been signed to reserve futures deals they are wide receivers victor bolden and tom kennedy guard slash center evan brown Safety Jalen Elliott and linebacker Anthony Pittman. Of those people, Victor Bolden and Tom Kennedy haven't seen the field yet. They've been an on and off the practice squad in the last two years. Uh, they, along with Quintus Cephas and Geronimo Allison, are the only wide receivers currently under contract for next year. Evan Brown has seen some game time this year. He did play, I think, 16 or 17 snaps in the most recent game in relief at left guard for Jonah Jackson, who was being evaluated for a concussion. He also played the previous game at centre when Frank Ragnall was out. In terms of Jalen Elliott, he was an undrafted free agent DB, and Anthony Pittman uh, was one of those as well in 2019, as opposed to the 2020 uh, group. One name not on the list is Stephen Vertel. He was the long snapper who has been on the the uh, practice squad all season. The th- feeling was that he was being kept there as Don Molbach's successor. It is speculated that him not being on the list means that Don might be making a return once again, thus proving that he is immortal. Uh, how are you feeling on that, boys, and, and the progression forwards? Any of those names jump out at you as, as a talent, perhaps, that could contribute next year? Um, I think the fact that we've taken on two wide receivers makes me think that you know we we are probably looking at at least Jones or Galladay definitely going. Um, and not, but also you know maybe, well, maybe maybe these just get maybe a bit more capital in trading them out. Um, but I know that you spoke about him before. But Jalen Elliott is someone that hopefully with a the safety car that we've we've had this year being so poor, um, I don't believe someone like him could come in and make it worse. So, yeah, know, good to see him have a go in and and see what he's he can do. I think Jalen Elliott and Bobby Price both have a a big future potentially 
alliance. Um, in terms of the in-game injuries that we just had against the Vikings, both Vitae and Jonah Jackson suffered concussions in the game. That's the second in three weeks for Big V, which is just really unfortunate. He obviously suffered with the foot injury throughout the season in pre-season and now two head injuries. Um, it's not that sort of thing, boys, that is coachable, is it? You, if you get hit in the head, you get hit in the head. There's not a lot. I mean, sometimes there's technique to do with tackling, but that's on the defensive side. If you're an offensive player, that's a bit at Lux Mercy, isn't it? Oh, let, let's not start with tackling techniques. I mean, uh, you know, there was a certain player of ours this weekend who tackled perfectly to the standard of the technique. And, uh, Are you talking about Jelani Sarai? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I'm, 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 talk I'm talking about uh, Aaron's best buddy. Um, he, uh, yeah, tackled perfectly, but apparently it's not legal. So who knows what's what anymore? I think, <laughs> in terms of the O line, though, I think that we've just been so unfortunate this year. I mean, we've got, I mean, going forward, everything looks good for them, but we've finished with, you know, Ragnar having his throat shattered. Uh, two gu both guards getting concussions. Crosby's rolled his ankle. I think there's only Taylor Decker who's still upright from the original one. So I think it's just unfortunate with concussions. We do seem to have had a few, but I think there's been quite a lot around the league this year. But I think there's been quite a lot of injuries in general, hasn't there? Probably goes back to the lack of time they had to prepare for the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree that that was a factor early on. I'm not sure as the season went on that maybe that played so much of a role, especially concussions wise, but foot injuries and, and knees for sure. Um, moving on uh, with the loss against the Vikings, the Lions have locked in at number seven in the 2021 NFL draft. Um, they start at seven. They could have moved to eight with a loss if the Giants had also lost and the strength of schedule moved against the Lions, but they stay where they are. Uh, when you watch the Sunday slate, Atlanta looked like they may, might have had a shot for a little while against Tampa. Um, Houston could have won, and we could have moved ahead of them, I think. But obviously, the Titans kicked the field goal right at the end of play. But otherwise, it didn't really look like it was ever going to happen that we were moving up. I think we would have finished 11th. I haven't actually calculated this, but I think we would have finished 11th if we'd won the game. So, I mean, without talking too much about the game happy about where we are drafting wise prospects looking good seventh is ideal i think i mean providing the jets don't stick with donald i think we've got the uh, sort of pick of the elite defensive talent there especially looking at mick and parsons at linebacker i'm very confident we can get him at seven now and i think he needs to be the only consideration there right now because our linebacker core needs help the defense needs elite players so we're in a good position i feel because there's just so many quarterback needy teams in front of us that the good defenders are still going to be there at seven. Yeah, I'd agree with Bentley on that one because uh, hopefully, you know, there's plenty of teams that are starving for a quarterback and wide receivers as well, especially Philly at the wide receiver spot. They need someone in there. But um, uh, I'd agree with that. So please, God, we finally get a real difference maker on defence. And by the looks of it, um, a lot of people want him to be our guy this early on anyway. This is our third top 10 pick in three years, which is obviously ultimately disappointing because it means we've had another poor season. But I would agree with what Anton Ryan have said that, you know, beefing up that defence this off-season is an absolute priority if we're going to move the team forward. Yeah, I mean, um, the, I think the uh, trade value for seventh place this year is 1,500 points. Now, I'm not saying obviously trade it, um, but, you know, that's roughly half of what 
the the first pick is. But you know, there's some good value in it there. So you know, and that both trade value wise and you know, obviously player wise, and I think we we can. It's a good start. It's not what we need exactly, um, but it's a good start to to really moving on and 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 taking things forward over the next you know couple of years and hopefully um you know for, for what we said over the last couple of years um apart from right now Jeff Okuda because it's a bit too early to say but you know the, the last couple of years of first round draft picks have done all right for us so here's hoping that this year's you know with, with a a better GM and a, and a better head coach that these picks are going to be even more valuable potentially than, than the last couple of years worth. Fingers crossed. I mean, I think our, our struggle to get higher up in the draft is just impossible when teams like the Philadelphia bench their starting quarterback for seemingly no reason for the final quarter when they're three points back. So, I mean, there's tanking and then there's tanking. Um, but there we go. Um, something really important and notable has happened, which is team president and CEO Rodwood has had his end of season press conference. Now, him having a press conference is no new thing, especially these days after the sacking of the head coach and GM. But this one, quite important, especially given where they are in the GM and head coach search. So a few takeaways that Pride of Detroit have had on one of their articles. and just want to read the cliff notes on those so we can have a quick discussion on them. So first of which is a GM and head coach search is very different to last time. And I think that's plain for all to see um, three head coaches interviewed last time and, and God knows how many lined up this time. So that's massive. Um, the, the team are valuing the character of the coach over their previous accomplishments. So if they've got the right sort of mentality and culture fit, they're going to trust that it's going to come in time rather than someone who's perhaps been successful before. Personally, I think that weighs against Marvin Lewis, who's obviously accomplished a great deal with the Bengals, um, but I can't speak to his character, so he may do well there anyway. Um, one thing that they did say is that Daryl Bevel has a shot staying at the team. They didn't explain where exactly it's going to be, and he is going to be interviewed I think this week, it's today. either this week or ne- today. Today. For, I believe for, Robert said in his thing it would be today. Hmm. So, uh, but he complimented him on a, on a job well done, said he came into a really hard situation, like obviously COVID-19 here, and and they'd handled themselves very well. I think we're all in agreement that the team had been more competitive since the sackings, whether, you know, whatever the record is, that the team was more exciting to watch afterwards. I think I speak for everyone. There, yeah. Um, he thinks that the Lions are close to being a competitive side. He spoke about next year or the year after, um, and that the defense needs changing. But otherwise, they he doesn't think it's as far away as other people might have been suggesting, which is an interesting one. Which I'm sure there'll be some contrasting views on. Uh, the last thing to come out of it was that they aren't necessarily going GM head coach. When it comes to hiring, they could go the other way. Uh, it's going to happen in any order, and it might start sooner than people are expecting. Um, how are you feeling on on those boys? It's clearly different to last time, and I think everyone's in agreement that it's being thorough. Um, but character over accomplishments, bevel, competitiveness, 
and the GM first or the head coach first? Take your pick. I um, really. Oh, go on. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry um, okay, I'll go. Um, I really liked pretty much everything of what he had to say today, as you've already sort of pointed out there. The lessons from last time seem to have been learned, especially in regards to the amount of candidates that they're going through. Obviously, the pool's a lot bigger this time. They're getting you know, a wider variety and just to, you know, be absolutely sure, you know, that they're getting the best candidate and the fact that, uh, you know, so many seem quite willing to come here as well shows there's a lot of interest in our job. And um, like I say, it, it's nice to see improvements made on that front. I specifically liked the bit when he was talking about Chris Spielman as well. He seems to be a big, you know, help during this process. He says, obviously, he's come in. It was after they'd done the interviews with the in-house candidates, but sort of instead of Spielman just looking at, you know, the overview of the interviews, he went and did his own separate interviews with them as well, you know, to get his own perspective on it. You know, I think that just shows a good attitude that he's looking to, you know, be as be as well informed as he can be, not just taking off other people's opinions. He's really growing into that role, and you know, I think. It, it, it's good. They, the fact they're giving Bevel a shot as well. If uh, they're not just going for a big name, they realise the work Bevel's done, his achievements. You know, the teams look completely different with him. Again, I think it's good they're doing that. In regards to his words about the competitive side, I think his 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 words were, you know, they want to retool the offense, but rebuild the defense, and I think that's spot on. I think the offense is quite far forward, and it just does need a few little bits added into it. But after that, it'll be good to go. The defence will need rebuilding. So I think his handle on the side is pretty good. And in terms to, you know, the GM, the HC, who'd you hire first? Well, he said quite specifically during the interviews, they're informing all the candidates, you know, whether they be GMs or head coaches, of who they're interviewing elsewhere. So they'll be getting their opinions from all the individual candidates about, you know, who they'd like to work with, you know, who, who they feel they might make a good team with. So it doesn't mean they're necessarily just going to stick two random guys in there. They are taking in all the input, you know, from the GMs and the head coaches. So they'll hopefully be able to put a tandem together, which they think works. So it's not sitting around waiting to do one position and then sorting the other out. They're trying to do both at the same time, but they're doing it very well, very thoroughly. So, I, I really enjoyed what you had to say about it all. Um, what I would say is it's, it's pleasing to hear these things being said, but I, I want to see actions from them as well. It's all being well saying, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that, and some of the noises are, are really promising. However, talks cheap is it, it, a is a saying that I'm sticking with here and I want to see something. I want to see a statement made with these appointments. So I want, I want Salah wrapped up and I want a high quality GM bringing in because if we're, if we're saying that this is a change from the Ford family of the past, where we seem to be on the tipping point of um, making uh, a bit of a statement in terms of moving forward and then only to regress back then this needs to be a statement that says this is a change of ownership. This is a step forward. We've gone out there and got the best in class that we can bring in that will make a difference to this organization, that will make the rest of the of the NFL sit up and say, actually, this these guys mean business. Attract those players. Keep our best players. 
I agree with Ant about you know the comments that were made around the offense. However, we can't afford to lose key parts of that offense either. It's no use strengthening the defense to then weaken the offense by, in my opinion, removing the quarterback. I don't think we should be doing that, but that's an that's one for later. And also, you know, we should wrap up some key contracts there that are expiring. Um, they need sorting out defense. You know. <laughs> Wait till you get. Wait till we get to the review for me to wrap up some stats from this weekend about the defense. But that needs a total, total overhaul. There's very few players. I know we discussed it last week that I would even contemplate keeping on that defense. And I know that makes it a significantly big job. However, for me, we have to go out there now and appoint the best GM we can get and bring Robert Salah back to Michigan. Yeah, it seems like they've kind of gone... It just has that feel that it's going to be Robert Seller. They've kind of like brought in uh, Detroit guys and Barry Sanders and Chris Spillman to kind of help for the search to basically find a Detroit guy. And that Detroit guy is Robert Seller. So, you know, um, please God, he's the one who's going to come in. I do believe that he will actually be in sooner um, rather than later. And I think he might, might even be appointed before the GM search is even completed. But um, yeah, just to echo what you guys have said, I, I completely agree. Maybe just to add to it is uh, I think Sheila Ford Hamp has shown a real, um, uh, you know, change in attitude in a way to a degree. She needs to continue it, you know, without a doubt and, and, and be part of, you know, fully part of this search. But I do believe that, um, you know, when was the last time a Detroit Lions head coach was fired during the season? I'm pretty sure it was only when... Um, uh, uh, the own 16 season, you know, so that has been a bit of a change because they seem to have stuck with them for too long for me. So, um, yeah, I like it. I'm liking the aggression, the talk that's coming out of Detroit, but now's time to put the proof into the pudding and make sure we go and get the right people for the job because God knows we need it. Because I do believe, as, as it was mentioned, that defense has a hell of a lot of work to do. And I would probably agree that we only need a few little plate people when um, a few people were in uh, the offense. So, you know, it's, it's, it could be, it, it, it could be a long haul, but it shouldn't be if uh, the right people are put in place uh, now. I'm pretty sure he's, he's interviewed, uh, Salah's already interviewed for the Falcons yesterday, maybe? It was yesterday, yeah. Yeah, so. There's competition. There's competition there. Right, he's just on that one. That's a practice interview for him. Uh, he just just wants to get get his answers right for for this week when that one happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of start by echoing some of the comments. I do appreciate how much different it is. I do appreciate, um, and I get the whole. And you know, you know, Martin's absolutely right. Talks cheap. We need to see action. Um, the 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 sad part about this spot is and in any sport really there's only so far talk and even action at this moment in time can take you we haven't got the benefit of hindsight um i know that you know we it doesn't matter who we put in if we're all really excited about it or not we we most of us were really excited about patricia coming in only with the benefit of hindsight can we look back and say that was the wrong hire um and even looking back, look, if I'm putting my, if I'm trying to put my reasonable head on, I even believe that, you know, when Martha, when Martha put in that, um, brought, brought Matt Patricia in, you know, it, that was meant to be a statement that was meant to be a, and obviously not knowing exactly what it was going to take, you know, you, you can bring everyone from New England over, but you don't bring over Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You've not got New England and it's just not going to work. 
But the, the genuine thought was, and I think what has been genuine and what is continuing to be genuine with this Lions backroom staff is they're not trying to build a one-season wonder. They're not bringing in someone who's a GM who's going to come in, just get a you know get get the right plays in to get it done now. They're not bringing a head coach in who's just going to get the right do the right things, get things done now. They want to build a team. That I mean, we were looking at this before. They're the thirtieth most valuable team in the NFL out of thirty-two teams. Um, they're not look. They're looking to build the brand. They are looking to, and this is where, like, um, I, I'm hoping to actually do something a bit more on it, but this is where the culture comes in. This is where something that comes in. They tried to do it before. They thought they got it right, but they got it oh so horribly wrong. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they, this is where, again, where Sheila comes in now with the, what have you learned from your mother that's going to make it different this time? Why? Why is it going to be different? So, you know, I think I, I do like the fact that they are being so thorough. It says to me that Sheila is doing a lot of due diligence. But you know, there's only so far we can go right now without having all the key information, and that will be two, three years down the line. Um, that we have the key information we need to know whether to so whether they've made the right decisions or not, or whether they've done it right or not. Unfortunately, um, but you know, I think. It, it, again, with the benefit of hindsight, we don't know how many of those players were just not performing under Patricia and actually do have a genuine streak in them, even on defense. Um, there are a lot of players in there who are genuinely awful, but we've seen a couple of players, I believe, look a bit better, at least since Patricia left, um, even on defense. But at the end, of the day, I think we're at a point now then where we were kind of tanking anyway um, and just kind of trying to play for a bit of pride more than... Um, numbers on a on a record so I think again there's only I'm probably looking this with an indecisive too much hindsight so many variables like I always do but you know hopefully what it looks like now is that they are doing things and this is now part of this is going to be the lion's way due diligence um appropriate you know, they're doing what they believe is appropriate to do what they need to do. And again, when bringing in someone who may not be exactly proven in the exact role of head coach and accomplished like that, but they're bringing in someone whose character, who's going to bring the right values, who again, and I, again, I'm saying the word again, but the right culture into Detroit, that says to me, like, they are looking for the long haul. They are not looking to, in a couple of seasons, if we don't make the Super Bowl, we've got to start all over again because that's what the team's going to be built to do. They want to make essentially a dynasty. Um, they want to be the next big thing that's going to be you know, there in years and years to come. And who knows, we might be the Chiefs' biggest rivals because we're meeting them every year in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, so... For me, in terms of what you said about um, Patricia and about it being the right hire at the time, like, I was so excited about Patricia. Oh, my God. I remember him being announced as being hired, and I was fucking ecstatic. Uh, I thought we got, like, the next big deal. I was like, lines are going to be relevant. And, I mean, I know how it turned out, but... I know what you're saying. Even if we take action at this point, you have no idea how how it's going to turn out. And all you can really judge on is how you think the process is going because at the end of the day, you put the process in place and then it comes down to the performance on the field, which is somewhat down to luck. 
and somewhat down to being good. And, you know, it will happen one way or the other. Um, I'm going to move on now, unless anyone wants to have another comment before we go. That was quite a big point. All right. So Matt Prater has taken the outright record now for 50 plus yard field goals. He moved joint with Sebastian Janikowski in week 16, but moved ahead of him this week. So that he is the number one long range field goal kicker in NFL history. He also wins a kicking bet against Brandon McManus. He hit the long field goal of 59 yards versus 58 yards against Brandon. This wins every Detroit resident a free Bud Light, which I'm sure you guys would probably turn down. <laughs> but there we go. Uh, we're not getting any money for mentioning Bud Light. I'm not sure you're aware, but it's not the biggest fan. Oh, well, the team are not the biggest fan of what they consider to be water, I think. But moving on, I like it, but there we go. Um, Romeo Aquara has hit 10 sacks for the season. He did get one in, in the early in the first half to hit the, the milestone. It's the first time I can remember for a long time that the Lions have had a double-digit sack master. Um, and sign him up. That's all I want to say. Um, <laughs> uh, the Lions have obviously been hit once again by refereeing issues in the recent game. And without going into the game too much, there was two really big calls one was the Marvin Jones touchdown, which is called a touchdown on the field and overturned despite seemingly no evidence to overturn. Uh, just, yes, not, that, just not called down on the field, called down on the field, called down in the broadcaster's box, called down, uh, called a touchdown everywhere except for the actual referee. Yeah. And, uh, and there was the roughing the passer call as well. So fourth and one near the goal line, Late in the game, um, Lions ahead at that point, I think, went two points behind. No, I can't remember quite when. I was before the fourth and one late in the game. And Tracy Walker up the middle with a terrific sack, rolls over the quarterback, touches him, apart from the actual tackle, just touches him on the way through. And um, the referee went in and explained in a piece, um, well, it was reported in a piece by the Detroit News, um, and the referee went on to say that he landed on him with his full body weight, which was clear to him that it was a penalty, which is one of the more bullshit calls I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's not it's not Rams Saints level of bad, but it, it was pretty bad. Um, widely slated both of those decisions by Detroit Lions players on social media very openly and by um, pundits and what have you very openly. So I do wonder if there may be fines and other things upcoming, but the team were very upset. Um, Marvin Jones with his career day or second highest day in terms of uh, receiving yards moves into thirds for the most receiving touchdowns in team history with 36. Uh, on another point, Trey Flowers reveals now that once the season's over, his injury during the year was a fractured forearm. It was a hairline fracture. He should be good to go next year without missing any time. Uh, and Taylor Decker has also come in saying he wants to be at Detroit for his entire career. And he wants to give his opinion to Rob Wood about the future direction of the team, about where he thinks things went wrong, um, that he wants to be a big contributor on and off the field, which is great to see. Um, boys, I just went through quite a lot there. But any thoughts about 
Aquara, Jones, Referees, Flowers, Decker. I'll uh, I'll quickly have a go. Um, <laughs> going through all those, uh, Matt Prater, well done for winning tap water for all of Detroit. I'm sure they will enjoy what they can get out of their taps every single day because that is exactly what Bud Light is. But, you know, fair play to him. It was a hell of a long field goal. He did kick for the winner there. Aquara, completely agree. He needs paying, I think. You know, if we're looking for a change of culture in team here, a change of approach, we need to be showing our players that, you know, if they have good seasons, breakout seasons, that we're going to pay them. And this, you know, precious few players who've sort of come on a lot this year, you know, likes of Terrell Crosby have, Hawkinson has, and you, one, to them, you want to be showing them that you're going to reward them and not just let them leave if they do well here. And two, it's showing the fans that, you're invested in this team and if we do draft good talent in the draft which has been a contentious point for years that we're going to keep them so hopefully we can get a deal done with him we can get a deal done with Kenny and we can get a deal done with Marvin if the finances allow but yeah he's had a hell of a good season and he needs rewarding as such the ref calls ridiculous I mean they even put a video up of the tackling technique that uh, Tracy Walker used to take down the quarterback, you know, the official, you know, the official guide for tackling quarterbacks as he did. And he followed it to the letter. There was nothing he did wrong to that. And for it to be called again, it's just how in God's name can you call that? The referee couldn't wait to throw that. And it's just so demoralizing because they've just stopped, you know, three drives on their one yard line. They've tried ever so hard and then they've got to go through the reps again. You know, you just, you just can't be doing that. It just breaks the spirit of a team. Jones's touchdown pass was even worse. That, audibly made me shout out in anger. And this was a game that had nothing riding on it. I think most of us after that first one were like, it happens, there's nothing riding on it, we don't care. But the second one was that bad. It still made you angry, even though there was nothing in the game. I mean, if that had been for a playoff position or something, we'd have all been downright apoplectic. It was, you know, absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. I know I would have been. I'd still be shouting about it now. Um, So, yeah, those ref calls... Absolutely ridiculous. Taylor Decker, you know, what a guy. You know, it shows those are the sort of players you want in your team. The fact that he wants to go to management, convey his thoughts, try and help in the process of going forward. The likes of him and Stafford. You need players like that when you're rebuilding players who are going to lead by example, invest in their team. So it's great to see him. Uh, it's great to see him come up and do that. I think that was about everything. <laughs> Yeah, um, just on, I'm going to kind of do something similar and just kind of follow um, the little order in which we've got him. Romeo Aquara, pay that man. Simple as, there we are, done. <laughs> um, like I'd, uh, ooh, first off, I want to say justice for Tracy. Um, and actually, if anyone is listening to this right now, go to my Twitter and sent hashtag justice for Tracy. Um, right. Seriously, check it in a sec. It, it's there. Um, but you know, it, it's it's horrible. I mean, the, the, it wasn't just you know a couple of players and pundits and whatnot. Kelly Stafford weighed in. Um, you know, it was quite fun watching. I guess in a way, some of the tweets come through from players. John Penasini just tweeting bullshit. Um, and look, Marvin Jones was the one with the whole kind of, is it bad that we're getting used to it? Well, it, 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Marvin. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's becoming a point now where I'm really annoyed, but I'm not surprised, um, and I'm not gonna pretend like I didn't see something like that happening or didn't see it coming or whatnot. We're used to it. And luckily, and I will say this, luckily there was nothing specifically riding on the on the gate. Oof. Riding on the game to the point where we had genuine reason to be that angry. But that just can't continue. We can't keep getting hit like that. These are again, even though there was nothing particularly riding on the game, those are game changing decisions. Um, you think far from one in that penalty? That's a game changing decision. If you are in that, if you are at the point where you're going for for playoff spots and whatnot, that is the difference between you making it and not. Um, it's just horrible. Then finally, on, uh, on particularly on Taylor Decker, he's proved me wrong. Um, and anyone who doubted his contract or said anything about his contract, he's proved every single one of us wrong. Um. What a man. And I would be glad to have him here for the rest of his career. I know he's a, he, he and he is one of those now where that's a jersey I want. And that's a jersey that, you know, I'd be proud to be representing his name on my jersey. What a guy. Martin? Um, I'm a bit. You know, I don't tend to get myself too wound up about some of the ref calls. I think, you know, I appreciate that a really poor decision was made. Well, a couple of really poor decisions were made. But, you know, I think any team that's conceding 37 points doesn't deserve to win a game. Um, and it's as simple as that for me in terms of the last, uh, Sunday's game. Yeah, I'm annoyed that, you know, and I probably would be a lot more annoyed had something been riding on the game. But, that defence has pissed me off all season with how poor it is and how poor we knew it was, how weak it was going into the season. And I guess one of the reasons I want Robert Salah is, you know, he's done such a great job with the 49ers defence, including, I think, the week that... Oh, we've just lost Martin there. Uh, but we'll hopefully get him back and maybe you can finish his point. He was just mentioning Salah there. I think I've just seen a tweet come up that's just um, described San Francisco's season and how it's finished and got them up to, you know, the 11th ranked team there. They said their offense this year overall was 20th. Um, hang on, let me see if I can find it. And then there's 20th, offense the 20th and the defense is 6th overall. So again, it's a season where that defense has really carried that team, especially in such a... You think of the teams they play in that league, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. Are there, is there a division with more attacking threat in it than that one currently? Because those three on their day, you know, they're monster sides on their offense. So to have the sixth-ranked defense in the entire league when you're playing against some of those teams, six, you know, six games of a year against those three... I think that just speaks to the wonderful job he's done there and done there for a few years now. So I think, yeah, I would agree with Martin's point that he was halfway through making that, um, you know, he's done a remarkable job and Shanahan allows him to run that defence. We're not running the risk of some form of disciple coming on here from the enemy or, uh, sorry, from Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. You know, Salah's done it on his own. But I think uh, Martin's back now. I'll pass back over to him. 
I've just been supporting yeah. your argument, Martin. So. All right, I was just <laughs> going to say, you know, I'm, I'm afraid my connection is not the best tonight, but um, I can't remember what I was up to. I think I was saying that, you know, the Robert Salah defence, when they had a number of injured players, was what impressed me the most. Um, to think, you know, we're not going to be able to overhaul this entire defence. So I think we have to build around the people that we have got on there that we're happy to keep um, and hope that a quality coach um, like Salah is able to get a better tune out of some of those um, mediocre players from this season. Um, because what I don't really want to see is I don't really want to go back to the point where we're starting from scratch again and we've got to wait three years before we're making a playoff appearance. Um, so I think that has to be really, you know, something that we're considering in this appointment. And that's why I think the Salah one is the best one. However, I guess we would have said that with Matt Patricia. So, um, you know, it, I guess it is what it is. But um, Taylor Decker's definitely proved me wrong. I, I didn't want to give him a new contract prior to the start of the season. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to be proved wrong there. Well, Not often wrong, but by this time I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, we, That's we were what just, I tell the kids in my class anyway. <laughs> we were just saying in regards to Salah, it's come out that San Francisco, they've got the sixth best defence in the league this year, despite mm. all the injuries he's had. And that league there in the Rams, the Cardinals and the Seahawks is stacked with mega offences. Yeah. So to do the job he's done without being under the tutorship of a, an overlord like Andy Reid or Bill Belichick, because Shanahan trusts him to run that. I think yeah. that's a huge plus for him. I mean, prior to Sunday, our defense, I'm sure one of you was gonna we're gonna cover this anyway, was ranked in the bottom five of the league in rushing, 29th, passing 30th, total 31st, and scoring 32nd. You know, we've conceded 519 points, 6,716 yards, making it the poorest in franchise history, even breaking the record of the 2018, which takes some doing, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's horrible. And, and I think we need we need a defensive-minded coach to be the one that comes in. And I think Salah's the best pick of those. So. Yeah. yeah, I do agree. He is apparently interviewing at the moment with the LA Chargers. So that's going to be fun. But anyway, um, I'm going to move it on. Um, so we can get to the game and then maybe talk a bit more about head coach GM and the future schedule. Otherwise, we'll be here all night, which I could do. But I know some of you maybe can't, don't. Um, <laughs> um, the Lions free agents list or the, the potential free agents list has come out. And if I can bring it up, um, they are... Kenny Golladay, Romeo Aquara, Matt Prater, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, Duran Harmon, Mo Sanu, Don Molbach, Danny Amendola, Everson Griffin, Adrian Peterson, Daryl Roberts, Miles Killebrew, Jaden Reeves-Maven, Tony McRae, Reggie Ragland, Ode Ibushi, and Jared Davis. So all players that we can move on from at no cost to us. Uh, but are there any in there that are, you know, Absolutely certain to not make it back, apart from Jared Davis. Leave him out because I'm I'm fairly sure he's gone. Uh, but anyone else, anyone definitely not returning, anyone definitely returning, or are they all in the sort of remains to be seen category, boys? I'd be disappointed if we've got um, 
AP going round again if we can't strengthen that position a little bit. I know it's not a, it's not a position of massive need having got uh, Swift there and hopefully Galladay, but you know hopefully it, it's um, it's not something that we have to over rely on because I think he had too many snaps this year. I think he's been great for experience for the year um, for Swift, but I I don't really want to see him going round again. It was quite embarrassing to see him when he broke free on um, on Sunday compared to what we know he, he once was. So I don't know if he, if he's if he's third string behind Kerry and Johnson because Johnson's in his contract year and he's going to have to start proving something eventually. So I think for a one year vetman deal like he's on at the minute, he's proved he's a red zone threat. You know, if you get to the two three yard line, he's still got it. So I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset if he came back as the third guy and Johnson stepped up into that uh, second role. Um, as for the others, I think there's a lot who are on the line. I know I've made my feelings on this and I know it's not popular, but I'd can the Agnew experiment now. I don't want to see him back unless it's just as a punt returner. I just feel we've wasted far too many talented sort of running back wide receiver, you know, dual threat guys and chuck them away for him. And he's not made progress, especially given how thin we've been at receiver this year you know it, it's time for him to go I mean there's some Abushi weirdly enough I would have said four weeks ago get rid of him I don't think he's any good but he's some one of those who seems to have done really well under Bevel and with our problems at right guard I think it would be worth keeping him around just while we spend all our draft picks and have free agency money on the defense I think that's a plug that can be filled there but obviously, you you want your main guys back, Aquara, Golladay, Jones, because you know, especially Golladay and Jones, a massive part of that offense. And has been said, we need to focus as much as we can on the defense. So the more pieces we can sort of keep intact on the offense, the better it'll be for us. I'm pretty sure um, Jones had a career best game or close to a career best game on Sunday as well. I might be wrong on that, but I'm sure I read that. Yeah, second best game. I think if he'd actually taken that pass um, that was pulled back, that would have been a career best game. But um, I think I've been disappointed with Carrie um, Ann Johnson, to be quite honest, this season. Um, I don't think he stepped up to anywhere near the level we all expected him to at the start of the year. Um, so that's been a disappointment. I, I'd give him next year to, to try and do something with that. But then, you know, if we have a similar season, I'd move on. I quite liked Agnew at uh, returning the punts um, but you know that's not what he was here for originally um, I don't know what kind of money he's on and what space he's taking up there but it's whether that's worth keeping him around for that I don't know mm. Yeah I, I mean class has got to prove Sorry go on man. No no I, I think that there's um, you know there's a lot of people that you could put question marks over but um, I would like to see Jones back but it all depends on how much um, he's going to cost um, and what's happening with Golladay. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things to work out there. There's a lot of things in people that you're, you're not really fully ready to give up on them, but you're kind of not sure if you should just give up, like, you know, let them go now and, and maybe try and look for someone different. I mean, I actually thought uh, Kerry Johnson's contract for some mad reason was up this year, but uh, obviously not. I mean, he's been decent in the blocking, but uh, this year, but um that's about it. You know, he is a running back at the end of the day, but the blocking's been good if you want to give him a small bit of credit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
uh, hopefully, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, look stupid here, but whatever Robert Sala wants, I want basically now. So get him in and let him get to work on sorting out uh, what he wants and what he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these free agents, um, there are a few I don't really particularly want to see. Tony McRae back, Jared Davis, obviously, I don't know what's been said. Reggie Ragland. Eh, um, I, I would like to see him back, even if it was just for a year or two. I'd be okay with, with him coming back on a cheap deal. Um, I've gave, I have gave gave my argument on Sunday and maybe something we'll go into when we're actually really digging into the roster and, and any roster changes in a, in, in a few future episode. But I'm okay with Jamal Agnew for two more years on a dirt cheap deal. Um, I just, I think he'd be a good transitional player um, and someone who can not hold his own exactly, but, you know, he'd be okay there while we, you know, while we bring in, while well, the head coach brings in new head coach and Jim bring in who they want to bring in for those positions, he'll just kind of he'll he'll be there um, and just kind of do what he needs to. Adrian Peterson, uh, I'm pretty sure he'll be back. Everson Griffin would love to get him back. Don't think he'd be that expensive. Amendola, I don't expect him be, to be back. Don Mull back. I honestly, um, you know, I, I think his NFL career is longer than most of us have probably been alive, it seems like. But, um, you know, the done by name, done by nature. But, you know, he's getting on now, isn't he? So I don't know how long we'll have him back for. Oh, if he wants to come back. So new, I would take in a heartbeat. I think he's been fantastic for us since he arrived and and, and came onto the onto the team. Um, and Matt Prater, I did say it the other day, Kenny Galladay, I'm not, I want to, tag him and trade him I don't particularly want him to stick around unless it's on a genuinely team friendly deal Romeo Aquara as I said pay that man um, and Matt Prater I think he'll be around um, I said this uh, yesterday was it or the day before but his wife has literally just opened uh, an eyelash salon in Birmingham Michigan um, so I imagine they'd be around because his wife's not going to just ditch a new business as soon as she's made it. Plus I want to know where to get my lashes done when I visit uh, Michigan. Um, so, you know, I think they, 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 there is some in there that I think they, the, the contracts are up. You might think about it, but they'll be back. Um, they'll be back. I think people like Matt Prater, he's had a down year, but you know, all, all kickers do at some point have to have a down year. Um, and it, to be fair to compared to most other down years, his year has been decent. But that's, that's just, I think that's just kind of the level of kicker we've got in Matt Prater. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, just to... Uh, well, well, right, well, let's well, move into a quick game review and get that in. Ooh. Sorry, I was just going to add one thing in on Kerryon Johnson. Um, he's played all 16 games this year. Depend, depends on yeah. which game, depends on how many snaps. Of 16 games, he's had 13 where he has been of 74.1 or higher PFF graded at pass blocking and had a couple of games of around 65 to 69 uh, um, run blocking, but also a 75 graded run blocking game against Minnesota in week nine. So, you know, his average for the season, something like 82.6, and that's been held back by a 55 and a 56 against Tampa and Tennessee. You know, I think for, for that alone, 
Um, I've been really impressed by Kerryon Johnson this year, but it's whether he wants to stick to being a blocker and not a genuine running back. Mm. I mean, there's there's a case for Kerryon for pretty much doing anything with him, whether it's keeping him, trading him, or cutting him. Um, he's two million on the cap next year, but we can save one point three million of that by trading him or by cutting him. There's only seven hundred thousand dead caps. So he's gone. He's gone then. Yeah, I, I, I think there is a case for that. I mean, his production doesn't justify that salary right now. He has to improve to justify that. So let's see. I think I'm I'm leaning towards just about keeping him, but we can go into that a bit more later. It's it's really close as to either of those three options, I think. Right, let's talk about the game. Vikings at the Lions, week 17, final one. Nothing riding on it apart from uh, pride, divisional record, and draft position. Uh, the Lions inactives, I don't have a list for the Vikings, but who cares? Um, the Lions inactives, Kenny Golladay uh, out, Crosby, Dahl, Collins, Stenberg, Huggins, and Price all out. Price, Huggins, Stenberg were healthy scratches. Uh, moving on to the game, 37-35 in favour of the Vikings. The two calls, I think, really changed the result of the game. Um, I think if you added on a couple of points each for those, it probably weighs in our favour. One interesting thing um, that I actually saw on this is that the quarterback, so the passer rating for Kirk Cousins was higher than Stafford's at 127 versus 114. The Stafford's passer rating per ESPN was 84.4 versus Cousins 68.7. I think that possibly highlights the differences in the two measures. Passer rating is far more of a, these are the stats and therefore there is the rating, whereas the quarterback rating takes into account maybe the difficulty of the throws and, and what have you, because looking at the game, I did feel like Stafford had a better, easier game than Cousins, maybe apart from the pick. Don't know how you guys feel on that, but headline scores 28 for 40 for Cousins, 405 and three touchdowns. Stafford 20 of 31, 293, three touchdowns and an interception. In the running game, um, Detroit actually far more efficient on the ground. Minnesota 125 on 31 carries. Detroit slightly higher, 129 on only 22 carries. So that, that was particularly impressive. Receiving game, two big receivers in the game. Justin Jefferson, 133 yards on nine receptions. And Marvin Jones, 180 yards on eight receptions, two touchdowns. That's an average of 22 and a half yards per catch, which is excellent stuff. Um, a couple of Minnesota fumbles in there, which were both recovered by the Vikings, both forced by Jelani Tavai, um, who actually turned up in some positive way in a fairly meaningless game which is so like Detroit and so like Jelani Tavai but there we go um, Jamal Agnew did have a fumble which was lost and that might have been um, one other reason why this game was lost by Detroit in terms of the tackling um, Vikings had more possessions and so Detroit had a lot more tackles 13 for Walker 12 for Tavai 9 for Harmon versus Harrison Smith nine, Anthony Harris, eight, Eric Wilson, seven. Other things that pop out of this, only one sack for Minnesota, but three for Detroit, including Walker, Kevin Strong, and Romeo Aquara. Also five quarterback hits, which is the highest I've seen from Detroit in quite some time, and six 
passes defended. I don't think I've seen higher than two in a game all season for Detroit. So that was a highlight. Um, Vikings took shots, Cousins took shots, and, and we were better in the coverage game despite the scoreline. Um, in terms of kick returns, Agnew, have they, lads? 70-yard return again, making it, I think, the third return beyond 50 yards this season, which is excellent stuff. Um, and I think that's pretty much that. No, Jack Fox, gross punting average of 50.5 for the game as well. Only two punts which is probably one of the lowest figures he's had all year. So how are we feeling, boys, on this? I mean, it was it was a game which seemed pointless to begin with. And I got more and more into it as the game went on and it went back and forth. And I mean, another thing to point out on this one, Detroit lost by two and failed on three two-point attempts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty meaningless game. I mean, at first, but but like it got interesting to a degree. At first, I mean, the first few series, is, I was wondering, did anyone want to win like the game? You know, especially the Vikings. I thought they were trying to deliberately throw it. It was that bad by by uh, of a start by them. But I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard for me to get overly excited about the game because of the fact that you know it was just an end of the season wind down. But, you know, a few people did turn up to play who hadn't played all season, as you mentioned, like Intervai and, and stuff like that. And, you know, Kevin Strong was decent. But, you know, as an overall picture, thank God it's all over because it was a truly atrocious season uh, by the Detroit Lions, as we know, and very little by way of positives to take from the whole season. And now stepping to, obviously, another big rebuild uh, with the team. And in terms of the game, I don't really know how to break it down. It's, it was just a bit of a shootout to a degree. Never, ne- you know, neither defence really interested in making a stop. Um, and uh, both both the defence for both teams uh have had issues all season long. So, um, as we all know, we've set many records, uh, um, um, you know, uh, this year again with points and yards allowed, etc. And um, I don't really see a reason to go over it to, in too much depth. But the offense done decent. Jones being a clear stand-up performer, with Stafford also being solid. But let's be honest, we saw Marvin Jones play out of his skin yet again. Um, and the last five weeks, his uh, game has been, you know, really on point and at a very high level. I think he's had three out of the last five games and he's gone over 100 yards in them, um, also finishing just short of 1,000 yards for the season. So I do expect them to try and keep him, but there's uh, going to be a lot of other things that that might just come down to and maybe he might even fancy a change himself. We just don't know. Um, no doubt we all know the Tracy Walker incident was shocking, a shocking call yet again. And I've seen a lot of... Uh, lot this season, especially against our Lions, but all over the league, to be honest, you, the standard has been very poor. But to be pulled up for a rare, perfect tackle, um, which uh, we've struggled to do all season long, is, is actually to a degree laughable and just typical. But, um, you know, it's very frustrating um, to have that go against them, um, you know, as I say, when, when they actually done their job correctly there and, and make a good stop. Um, uh but, you know, like I say, I don't really look at that call as the main reason why we lost the game, uh, why we lost the game is because, you know, and all all of our 11 defeats has is, is come down to the defence, just not been good enough on it. And I've covered that plenty of times also. So um, I'm sure uh, whoever comes in will get straight to fix it. But there's no doubt about that. that the refs were atrocious yet again, and they should be ashamed of their performance, you know. So that's about it, really, in terms of... Uh, 
a roundup. But, you know, like I say, I think it's a huge job in Detroit. Um, I don't believe we're fully stopped in a lot of positions on the field. You know, there's question marks all over uh, almost uh, every section from wide receiver, depending on what happens with Goddard and Jones to safety, what happens there and uh, where the major issue, you know, major issues at corner, you know, again, I think, and obviously linebacker, which hopefully will get sorted in the, tr- in the draft. But um, even the running back room, I don't think has a lot of depth now. So it'll all be about who's playing behind Swift next year. Lots of positions um, have question marks, like I say, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the quarterback is one of them, but we'll get onto that later on, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, for an end-of-season game, I quite enjoyed this one, apart from those two refereeing calls at the end, which got me really hot under the collar. I think, you know, it's just, as it's been said, it was a straight old shootout to the end of the season. Unfortunately, you know, we came up a bit short on it, but some will argue for draft positional purposes, it was a good thing. I mean, to explain much about the game, I'm not really going to go too much into it. I mean, defensive-wise, we've conceded nearly 40 again but I think we've dissected the defence about as far as we can this season so I'm just going to pick up on a few positives that I saw for me maybe going forwards Um, first of all I think you know you've just got to give kudos to Matt Stafford for even playing in this game I mean the guy came in with three injuries he's been beaten up again this season you know as he has been a lot in the past he had no reason to play in this game yet he come in and you know, he had a really amazing game. I mean, it was the one interception, but, you know, I don't, I think you can forget it was a bad interception, but I think over the course of the game, a lot of other things happened. It didn't really affect us, but even still, he came out and said, you know, it's on him, but he's your standard bearer. And again, if you're wanting to build a team, you need a guy like that who is going to epitomise what you want in a player even if he's injured, even if he's struggling if he can go out there and play and give his best, he will and I think to see that example sort of you know, it galvanised the team and I know they said there were a lot of injuries in that one we had offensive tackles playing in the D-line, we sort of had guys playing all over because they wanted to get out there and contribute so, you know, that just sets a good example for your team going forward and I pray to God that these, you know, the rumours of him leaving are just put to bed quickly and the new guy who comes in wants to keep him because, I mean, you'd be ecstatic to have a quarterback of his quality when you first came here as a head coach and it doesn't mean you can't draft your guy and prep him for the future, absolutely you can, but you know, to give you a good focal point to start with this team, it's absolutely one of the best things, so yeah, kudos to the staff for coming out. Um, The O-line again, you know, we've said it a lot this season and how great they've been and we've also said how sort of battered and bruised they were, you know, two guards going out with concussions, you know, your centre Ragnar playing with, you know, a thrashed throat has just been broken and they still only gave up one sack and the running game had plenty of room to operate so even with the likes of Nelson, Abushi in there, you know, they again played to a really high standard. So going forward, it shows that we've got a really good O-line and we've got depth there if we bring some of these guys back. So again, that's sort of a positive we can look at there. The pass rush, Griffin and Aquara both getting sacks there. I think if we pay them both, but as Aaron said earlier, we want to get them both back. You bring Trey Flowers back into the mix as well. Flowers, Aquara and Griffin, they could be a hell of a force next year going forward in the pass rush. You know, they could give a lot of teams problems, especially with how they're playing. So it was good to see Kirk Cousins under so much pressure. I know he threw for about 400 yards, so probably had the last laugh on us, but we did get to him a lot. 
put him under a lot of pressure, which was good. And then some individual players. Jones obviously had his his breakout. Well, not his breakout day, but his season day for us was great to see. And again, another one you hope comes back. But if he doesn't, you know, we look towards the future. Quintes Cephas, another touchdown grab. It was a really good one. I think he's got issues with his catching, but they can be ironed out. And I think over the course of the season, he's steadily grown into his role. And I think we're going to see a really good player out of him in the near future. So it's good, it's good to see. Because obviously we're going to be short at wide receiver and he's going to have a part to play next year. So hopefully he can do. And then I know the contentious one and you mentioned him to start with, but have I and <laughs> I've already said this on Twitter and everywhere I think this is going to be a hill that I stand on and maybe die up on but I think possibly if he can get a little quicker drop a bit of weight down there's a player there especially since Patricia's gone and all this nonsense about playing all over the line in multiple different positions doing all this that and the other and confusing the players has stopped now that he's got a specifically developed role in that team he looks to be playing a lot better. He had a couple of the forced fumbles, a couple of good tackles in there, tackle for loss. I know he's been really bad, and I know I'm basing it off one game at the end of the season, but I think it's his third year next year. If we can get the likes of Parsons in the draft, put a bit of competition in there, and still think there's a player to be saved. So, like I said, I know what the deficiencies are of this team, so I just chose to focus on a few positives. But I think going next year there are some positives and I do look forward to seeing some of these players back and uh, improving like the likes of Crosby and Hawkinson have this year I'm just disappointed people couldn't see the responses on the faces um, of everybody else on this about bringing him back um, but I, you know I, I do applaud Ant's far more positive about things than I am um, I, I think Ant and Ryan have covered a lot of the points but I just, my one hope for next year, and this is my one thing I want to see, I want to get to a third and long and have some crumb of confidence that we might actually make a stop on that. That's my one aim for next season. Can we get to third and long and hope that we might be able to get a stop on it? Because I'm tired of seeing such such long plays where, you know, even at, even at, 20 yards and know that there's a, a hell of a chance that, that we're not going to be able to uh, just make a stop on that. Just on that point, Minnesota punted more than we did. I'm just going to say that. I know it's a pointless game, but that's a moral victory in itself. Aaron, how are you feeling on this one? Um, well, to start off, I'm going to move straight on from that one and say, how the f- you know, did this game start with four punts? to start the game I know that two of them were the Vikings punted we got pulled back for I can't remember what it was and then they had another drive which they ended up punting from um but you know it's 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 it is what it is uh and it turned out to be yeah quite an exciting game but we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see what this means for some of the players that did turn up and have a bit of a better game than normal. Um, I agree. I mean, I, I've said before on the podcast, and I'll say it again, um, which is actually something that initially you had said, Matt, you can't have a go at somebody if you aren't willing to praise them for doing right. Um, and Jelani Tavai had a much better game this week. Um 
I accept that and I understand that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what that means for someone like him. Is he, you know, he, he's playing for that spot on the team next year at this point in time. So, you know, we'll see what that actually does for him and his chances. Um, Marvin Jones, what a guy. <laughs> um, he was absolutely fantastic. And for, I know um, it was Anthony earlier on in the season that said he wants to see a bit more from him. Um, when, you know, when taking over the role from Golladay and becoming the wide receiver one. And Ryan's absolutely right. He's had three 100 plus yard games in the last five. Um, I'm not saying, I know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to come at you in the year. I know you've said it multiple times that you are glad that he has and, and he has stepped up since. But, you know, we, that there is a guy that has seriously stepped up and yeah, not just had one of his, uh, his, his second best career game, but also had his second best season as a wide receiver in terms of uh, quite a few of his stats, including yards. So he's been fantastic. Um, I think it, it, there's only so much that can really be said. I feel like there was a lot of, you know, they let they just kind of let the Vikings through on a number of occasions. No one really turned up, especially on defense, um, to to even really try. I think there were a few players there playing, you know, just doing some things right because they need to do things right. And then a few players there who were a bit, you know, maybe they're safe, maybe they've done all right, but. It went great. But I want to drop in a little fun fact for you that I found out today and I'm interested in hearing. The Vikings now ended the season with 6,292 offensive yards. They have given up 6,292 yards on defense. So they are at exactly zero net yards on the season. I feel like that's a a fun little fact. Uh, So... You know, we were part of that. I, I don't know how many teams have done that in the past, but if not, we've been part of history there. Um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's always good. There were a, a few standout players, I think, that um, wh- wh- whether that be for good or for bad, I feel, um, unfortunately, you know, he only came in for a... He was, in, he was in for a few snaps, not a lot, but when he came in, Ju- uh, Julian Aquara wasn't great at all. Um he, he he didn't do anything for me. Didn't do anything when he was on there. I know it's been mentioned, but Kevin Strong was fantastic when he was on, um, and he's got the PFF grades to back it up as well. Apart from in the tackling, um, I was again really impressed by Romeo Aquara. I can't say enough this year. Um, and my only other final thought on that game is still hashtag justice for Tracy. Fair, fair. Right, I'm going to move into a couple of more bits on the PFF grades and then we'll pick a player of the game and then move on. So, you mentioned Kevin Strong. He almost hit 80 on the PFF grades and he had 54 snaps at defensive tackle. So that's pretty impressive. You can hit that after a couple of snaps and it's a fluke, but that clearly wasn't a fluke. A couple of bits from the offensive side. Marvin Jones had a 90 grade, which is fantastic. Matt Nelson... The right tackle, converted from the defensive line, comes in for 29 snaps at right tackle in relief of uh, Halapulavati Vitae and comes in with an 82.5, including a run-blocking grade of 85.9 on 10 runs, which is fantastic. Um, Evan Brown as well, 
So he took some snaps at centre in week 16 and at left guard in week 17. 16 snaps in relief of Jonah Jackson. 12 of those were pass blocks and a pass blocking grade of 82.5. So you know what? We're getting some production from some fringe players and that bodes well for next year. Evan Brown obviously now tied on to that reserve futures contract we discussed earlier. So that's going to be something to look for. Um, maybe let's pick one more from defense. Um, I was quite impressed actually by Austin Bryant. He came up with two total pressures on his 38 snaps, 71.2 grades, and it's a 72.4 pressure grade. Um, on those two pressures, two hurries. What that as drop? Well. Yeah, less said about that, the better. Right, boys, <laughs> let's pick a let's pick a player of the game quickly, and then we'll move on. So, who wants to crack on first? Yeah, got in Jones. Quite simple, Jones. <laughs> Number eleven all day long. Um, hopefully, it won't be his last game in Detroit. And um, you obviously, I think you've got to give it to Jones, really, don't you? I think that might be a unanimous goal today. Hundred and eighty yards, two touchdowns. A guy blew it up, and uh, yeah, Echo Ryan's sentiments. I really hope he's. Uh, I really hope he's back next year. And then maybe defensively, I'll give it Kevin Strong just for completely trucking Kirk Cousins. I really enjoyed watching that. Martin? Uh, I don't want to go for a full house, so I'm going to say for suiting up and and hopefully not his final game in Holland, in Honolulu Blue, Matt Stafford. Aaron? Um, It's the first week in a long time I've not picked Romeo Aquara. Um pains me to think that he might not be here this season but I'm going to go with Marvin Jones Jr. as well 180 I say 180 yards two uh, two touchdowns should have been over 200 and should have been three yeah should have been three he's my pick too so four out of five I mean you can't play that well I mean it's just it's the sort of performance that we were looking for when Galladay was out and he wasn't quite doing it. If he'd been doing that all season, I mean, God knows what we could have done even with this defence. Um, right, that was Vikings at the Lions review. I'm going to go through a couple of the head coach GM things. Then we're going to talk about the Lions schedule for 2021, which has been locked in apart from the 17th game, which is rumoured but not confirmed, I think. But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, the Lions are to interview Eric Bieniemy, Daryl Bevel and Robert Salah this week and Arthur Smith and Dan Campbell next week in terms of the gm search four are going to be interviewed this week they are terry fontenot jeff Ireland, brad holmes and george Patton. um seahawks gm john snyder was rumored recently apparently he was in the running for the job i think it was 10 years ago um but didn't get it uh he is obviously a gm in Seattle, he doesn't have all of the power, but by the sounds of it, it's a kind of dual combination with the head coach out there. Um, and he's rubbish the claims actually saying that he and his wife love it in Seattle and they've got no intention of moving anywhere. So that doesn't look like that's a goer. Um, in terms of the Rob Wood interview, he's indicated that all the interview requests have been sent out and the hires are going to come from the existing list. So who they've got is going to come from one of them. It has also been confirmed by the press circle that not all the names are in the public domain yet so there might be a couple more to come out but there's not going to be any more being added internally 
In terms of the betting for the new head coach, I'll just go through some of these names and the and the number, some of which are a little scary at the lower end of things. Uh, Robert Saller is the favourite of five to four and was just identified by Dan Hansis on NFL.com as the leading candidate for Detroit. So, you know, another feather in our cap, perhaps, in terms of getting him here, if the press are going to start talking about him moving here as dead cert. Eric Bieniemy is number two at five to two. Number three is Jim Harbour at six to one. And God help us if that happens. Matt Eberfuss is 15 to two. And then a collection of five at 12 to one. Arthur Smith, Brian DeBold, Daryl Bevel, Lincoln Riley, and Marvin Lewis. Moving out a bit further, Dan Mullen and Joe Brady are at 16. Byron Leftwich and Josh McDaniels, Kellen Moore, Kevin O'Donnell, Leslie Fraser and Matt Campbell and Todd Bowles at 20 to 1. Dabo Sweeney and Nick Savan at 25. A couple of interesting names in there. Some not been discussed before. Some have been mentioned on the periphery, like I say, Kellen Moore. Josh McDaniels has seemed to come out of nowhere. Always gets rumoured for this and then it goes away. He, of course, agreed to be the head coach at Indianapolis signed on the dotted line and pulled out. And, you know, how much better do the Colts look for having Frank Reich there? Um, and Frank Reich obviously looks like he was the leading light behind the Philadelphia Eagles offense because Doug Peterson's done shit all without him there on the offensive side of things. Um, it's an interesting list of names, boys. Um, I know we're going to talk about it more in detail going forward, but maybe just a, a quick little one about where everyone seems to be lining up there. There's one head coach train and one head coach train only. That is the seller train, and hopefully it's pulling into Detroit within the next week. <laughs> I think you read some of the quotes from him um, in the recent weeks about you know his phone lighting up with family and friends wanting him to go uh, to the Lions and you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of things there, but I think he's got previous with um, maybe the Jags, has he? Am I thinking that right? He's worked with the Jags previously. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that making that up. But I think there are um, we've got those close ties with with him in terms of um, being from Dearborn, and it, it's it's a no brainer that he should be the one that we go after. With we talked about the limitations that we've got on defense, he's the one. It's got to be the one. Um, and let's hope he is. Yeah, I just think like when you, you know, I mean, every one knows, you know, uh, with with what happened with Patricia, and what frustrated me was just his um, way he he held himself on, on the sideline. You know, he just seemed completely and utterly passionless uh, in the job at hand. And um, I've got to be brutally honest, you, you know, when I see Salah. And the work he's done with a Banjack squad, I mean, like they've been completely and utterly beaten up. Um, uh, he's just been phenomenal. And he brings the fire and the passion, the drive, and he knows the team. He, you know, he knows the, 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 the franchise. So he's got to be our guy. Um, and I, I honestly haven't even thought of who else it could be other than uh, Robert Salah, to be brutally honest with you. He's just my, my number one. And, Choice at the moment. I haven't even thought of a number two uh, backup for him. So please, God, uh, he comes to uh, comes back home. Bring Salah home. Hashtag bring Salah home. Yeah, same. Sal, uh, the I'm I'm on the train. That is a Salah. I'm not saying his proper name. Um, 
makes makes me feel sick saying it properly. Uh, mm. So I'll go with the reading it like a mank and calling him Sally. Um, yeah, he, he's just. I'm a bit wary of the fact that I don't want to grow too attached to it because. <laughs> You know, unfortunately, hindsight has bit us on the arse with some recency, um, with the recency bias. I don't want to be too uh, cautious of being too excited, but I am really looking forward to the hopeful, hopeful that that Salah does turn up in Detroit and coaches his team. Martin, you did not make it up. He was a linebackers coach at the Jags between fourteen and sixteen. 2014-16, not between the ages of 14 and 16, sorry. Um, I just realised how that sounded in me coming back across. Um, however, that would be one hell of a job when you're a teenager. But um, but no, he, you just look at the 49ers defence. I'm sick and tired of hearing... Um, the, the the one thing that's getting me at the moment, just sick and tired of hearing that. Oh well, he's got you know a, a team of fantastic defensive players. Anyone can succeed with that defense. Look, we've seen it in sports across the world. It doesn't matter how many superstars you have. It takes a special kind of person to be able to manage them and put them on a field. Uh, on a field, just look at the way certain coaches have gone around the world. Um, Average coaches have walked into top teams and completely done the opposite with them. It, it takes a special kind of person to be able to manage and put elite level players on a pitch, have them motivated and want to do the best for, um, uh, you know, and what want to perform at their best. So I'd, I'd be very excited to see him turn up in Detroit. Um, he knows, obviously, he's, he, he, We'll speak about this in more depth, but I believe he could be the, he may be the right guy. Um, and I believe someone like him, you know, with, with some of the things that we're, we may be about to come with, I think someone like him is going to relish the chance to get to know someone like Matthew Stafford, not, um, you know, or, or at least use what he's got out of Matthew Stafford because he's done that on, with defensive players, um, used them for what they've got left, but also, you know, got the best out of them while, while they had it in them. I think I, I just want to finish off with, I think he's absolutely ready, pure, like coming, you know, he's, he's just seems really ready to be a head coach now that this is the time for him. And it just, uh, it's, it's kind of like a now or never moment. So he, he's definitely going to be somewhere and I'm sure he's going to be with us. So I, I think we've got a lot to look forward to in the next week or so, which, um, you know, it's nice considering we've had uh, six months of hell uh, with this season that's just gone by. Uh, we can look at the look at the comments coming out of the 49ers camp as well from, you know, from the coaching staff, from the players, how how highly thought of he is there, um, you know, and, and the potential to steal some of those players from that defense across as well. Salah can't lose. Salah can't lose here. I mean. The Detroit job, I know some might say it's not the most appealing in the world, but if you get it right here, you set yourself as a head coach for life, given the franchise's history and what it's gone through. And if for whatever reason it doesn't work out for him, people are going to remember this defense he had in San Francisco and he'll get a job back as a DC, you know, as soon as he's out the building. So for him, it's, it's going to make him or, you know, he's still got a solid career after that. Look, everything. Look at look at a picture of him. Everything about him screams the NFL's Pep Guardiola. <laughs> oh dear lord! 
Yeah. Everything. So I'm sure our listeners in Russia will be happy you let them know that. <laughs> but welcome to all our listeners in Russia now and Pakistan and everywhere else we've got them. Yeah. We're, we're, we're well wide now. We're well wide. On the way to Spain. <laughs> just to just to close off this chat, I ran two polls on the Twitter account ROTL underscore UK. And the first question was who is your choice for the next head coach of the Lions? I gave Bevel, Bienemy, Salah, or other as the choices. And so far, and we're only two hours into the poll, but 76% have chosen Rob Salah. So that's absolutely massive, massively in his favour. The fans want him. He comes from here. So oh, all the boys are on their phones. They're going to bolster that as well. That's fun. Yeah, uh, the, sec- <laughs> the, sec- the second poll was, no matter what happens, do you feel that what the ownership is doing right now and how it's going do you trust them to hire the correct head coach GM team, no matter who it is? And I gave more than 70% confident, between 30 and 70% confident, and less than 30% confident, or, you know, don't care, but just want to see what happened. Um, and 50% of the replies were middling confident, 30 to 70%, uh, and equally 25% above and below those amounts. So people are just moderately pleased with what's happening, which I feel is unfair. <laughs> unfair given how they've done so far. I think that perhaps the leadership are tainted by what's happened in, in past highs and people just don't have faith in the leadership full stop. Aaron? Look, at uh, uh, this point in time, I know that we don't exactly have the reach that some of the other publications have had, but you look at you know, eight or nine games into the season didn't wasn't our fan base the least confident out of anybody in the NFL. And we had some like four wins behind our back. The Jets had still not won a single game and we were the least confident set of fans. So I think I know it is not the biggest indictment of the Detroit Lions fans a poll on the Roar of the Lions UK podcast Twitter page. But you know it, it, it if even if it's just that bit more confidence at the end of the day the Detroit Lions fans that with the the, how did the the amount of time we've had our ownership with what we've been through in that time with the ownership you are bound to get to the point now where people are 10% confident and it doesn't matter if we reach a Super Bowl that isn't shifting for some time so if we start and for me that's that's from Sheila's point of view, people are a little bit more confident, but people who are going to be stuck in that zero to 10% confidence and have been for years, that is a lot. That I think that to me says a lot. Um, and that yeah. is just going to hopefully grow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Right. I'm just going to move this on to the end and we're going to have a quick look at the Lions 2021 schedule. So, and I mean, it's, it's not pretty. Should we say this? We've had a pretty horrible year, but if we don't get the off season right, I mean, oh my God, it's going to be hard. Um, so we are scheduled to face the NFC, well, North, obviously, home and away. Um, the NFC, the NFC West. <laughs> so that's the Seattle Seahawks, LA Rams, Arizona Cardinals, San Francisco 49ers, and ouch for that. But mix that in with the rotation. We are also playing the AFC North, which is the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals. And the weakest team there in the Bengals obviously have their franchise quarterback out for some 
significant portion of the season and actually have looked better without him. So God knows what's going to happen when he comes back stronger in his second season. The other teams we're facing, the Eagles, who I think consensus have underperformed this year with a better roster than, than their record suggests. The Atlanta Falcons, who are still one of the most exciting teams on offense to watch every week. And, you know, if they sort out that defense, my God, what could they be? And game 17 is probably going to be the Denver Broncos, who are another team who are frisky, offensively exciting. And if they get back some of those players on defense, say Von Miller, then that could be a game that we're struggling to, to win at as well. I just added up all of the net records of all of those 17 teams, and they're at plus nine for the season. And given we finished fourth in the division, and given that means we're meant to face some of the fourth place teams in the league, that's a fucking hard schedule. If nothing else changes in the off season, we're in for it, boys. Well, yeah, the, one, the one good thing is if Salah comes, at least the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, he knows them inside out, and uh, we might be a bit prepared bit better prepared for them but looking at that I think the very first thing the head coach and the GM who come here need to do is fix the run defense I mean the Cardinals the 49ers the Ravens the Browns these are all teams predicated on very heavy run games who've got mobile quarterbacks and we're really going to have to be ready for them next year otherwise you know <laughs> we could be setting some records on rushing yards allowed next year oh we put the Eagles in there as well with Hurts and Sanders I mean that's going to be painful too if you, if you think about this defense up against, you know, this year's defense up against that lineup, Jesus Christ, it could be mm. setting league records, never mind franchise records. Um, that, that, it's, 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 it could potentially, if we had go in with this team that we had this year, especially on defense, that could potentially be an 0-16 season. Could yeah. be 0-17 as well. Oh, 0-17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't got one of those. We haven't got one of those. <laughs> they will put the banner up. For the worst team ever, yeah. I, th I, th yeah, I think I for mean, me that, that sort of cements in that we need Mika Parsons in the first round of this draft because our linebacker core is going to have to be on fire against yeah. some of these run attacks. So, yeah, please, if yeah. for anything else, draft Mika Parsons for the love of God. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that that is possibly like you know, actually, it probably, it probably will definitely come down to that because of the fact that we need someone that can at linebacker who can tell uh, when when they're going to run the ball. Because I mean, like you say, I mean, you guys pretty much covered it in a short space of time there, but it is a real tough, 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 tough schedule. And when you just look at quarterbacks that you're going to be facing alone, the big names are there. You know, Russell Wilson. You know, it is potentially like one. You know the best uh, out there, Lamar Jackson, especially with his, uh, you know, dual action that he can run and, you know, he's getting slightly better at throwing finally. Kyler Murray's just getting better and better. Even Hurts in Philadelphia is one of the like more exciting mobile quarterbacks. He's still got obviously a long way to go, but he's going to develop um, over this off season. And then you tape it. Yeah, but that's what we're going to get as well is that, you know, you even get, uh, you look at the arch nemesis that you've got there in, in most likely you're going to get the MVP Aaron Rodgers. We've got to play him twice. Matt Ryan always plays well against us. Uh, Big Ben, what he's got left, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but, you know, he's still on his day, a top quarterback. Joe Burrow was having a really great season, potential rookie of the year before he got injured, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and then you've got some good quarterbacks, you know, good quarterbacks, not great in Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, 
Daniel Jones, you know, they're not terrible. And, and Drew Locks, I think, got a lot of potential. But, you know, and then you've got even, like you just said, their cousins seems to always have a decent day against us for some reason or another. And Trubisky's beaten us five times under the Matt Patricia era. So, you know, it's going to be um, a lot of work to do, man. And then and then we've got to stop the run. So um, it's it's a real, real tough time. And we've got a lot of work to get going with on that uh, defence because we could be under construction in Detroit for a few years here. You know, we really could be. I'm going to guess right now that Ryan's going to be the one who uh, is the worst prediction for us again next year. Is it? Would it be 5-11 and 11 again or...? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't really want to lay it down now because I do believe a lot in Salah. And, and this might sound weird. I think we might even have potentially a worse season, but I don't think we'll look as bad. I, I know that might sound unbelievable. I think that what, and I was going to kind of mention this point more on when we talk about it next week on the season review, you know, what there's a good chance here of is that our team and their players are just really badly coached. And when they get a top coach in like Robert Seller, who's going to light a fire under their arse most definitely, because he can do it with his backups, for God's sake, in San Francisco when his starters are out, then maybe, you know, he's the one that could turn his uh, tanker around quite quickly. So, you know, but at the moment, if you were putting a gun to my head, I'll be saying it's looking like a four... Uh, win season and then probably 12 defeats at the moment you know but I'm 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 still uh, you know going to remain positive that that won't be the case you know well a tough a tough season can also have the positive effect of bringing out the best of your players when they're playing against the top guys every week you know there's a point there to prove so it could have a positive influence on us from that standpoint a couple of comments for me on this one N- number one is that if uh, a national lockdown didn't drive me to end dry January, then the conversation we've just had about a potential 0-17 season certainly will. And the second one, <laughs> if I'm not even sure Jesus of Nazareth could turn this defence around, but let's see where we go next year. Is he a good linebacker? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wept, Martin. Jesus wept. Oh, Nazareth College. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know Aaron's going to go seventeen and oh, not Owen seventeen. He's going to go seventeen No, looking at this next, looking at next year's schedule, um, look, I'm not going to say seventeen and oh just purely because I don't know if that seventeenth game's coming in yet or not. Um, so at the moment, um, I'm going to have to stick with a conservative sixteen and oh. Um, I'll take it. I'm, I'm going to have to be conservative right now. Well, I don't know the seventeenth game's coming in. Um. No, that that's if you're looking at a rebuild year where you want to retool and get everything in place, that is one hell of a year to do it. Yeah. Get the I'm worst gonna... opponents out the way. And then get the worst opponents out the way while you're probably in you potentially not it depends how you want to look at the position. In terms of the fact that we're retooling, probably in the worst and most vulnerable position you could be. Um it, it it really hurts saying this because I don't believe in it. But if you're going to tank and you're going to look for the best possible draft position and you're going to rebuild in one year, it, it it's the year to do it. So, unfortunately, that's the position I believe that we're in at the moment. Um, I'm not going to look to tank, but it would be it, it would probably be the the year of the most excuses to be able to do it playing playing that schedule. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, I I don't 
You know, you're looking at a couple of teams like the Falcons are probably going to be in a very similar position to what we're in nine, uh, what we're in now. The Rams are a team that, you know, I'm not being funny. You could either have one of the, uh, an, an MVP looking Jared Goff, or you can have possibly the worst quarterback in the league, Jared Goff, coming in, in on a game like that. Um, you know, you're looking at, Look, I know what record Mitch Trubisky's got against us, but you're looking at a Bears team that I they have again overachieved. And there's only so many times you can do that in the NFL before you get a real comeuppance. And I believe that next year the Bears will get a real comeuppance. And unfortunately for teams like that who scrape in every year and get lucky, it's going to hit them a bit harder than probably a lot of people and honestly if we only ever beat two teams next year I want it to be the Bears uh, both times so just just I want and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh my absolute ass off watching Mitch Trubisky fail um, after what he's done to us five times uh, while we're under Patricia but you know we'll see and again if you add in a team like the Broncos who knows what the hell they're gonna go on there next year we could be in a very, again, they, they, again, they could be in a very, very interesting position, but you know, it, it, it's not looking too much into it. I want to see how the off season goes. I want to see how teams are looking. And again, we're playing, we're, we're playing a couple of teams where the 49ers, well, they're going to lose everything they ever, you know, everything that makes them good, aren't they? And that's coming to Detroit. So, and the Salah Bowl, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, it, it, it's not on paper. It's it's a scary season, but in in reality, what we see very much depends on a lot of different factors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, just I, I while you were talking, I just went ahead and added up the uh, net points of each team that we're going to face, and that's plus sixty eight as well which is just scary. If you finish bottom of your division, you should be facing a schedule where the teams have a minus point differential, for God's sake. Um, the only thing I'm thinking about what you just said is, uh, yeah, maybe we get all the hard teams out of the way next year and then face some easier ones in, in, in the next few seasons. But those teams then, you know, do badly next season and have two years worth of good draft picks. And then we face some really hard teams all the way through. So, you know, you can see it both ways. Um, but I do buy what you're saying actually about, about some certain teams perhaps overperforming or perhaps going to get worse. I think the San Francisco 49ers, despite how good that offense is and how good that coach is, if we do, if Salah does leave and a few of their free agents leave, they're in a bit of cap hell. I think they're going to get worse. I think the Rams have overachieved. Um, I still think that they were, you know, putting the cap in the wrong places and they've just done really well with what they have. But you know, I think they're going to slow down Seattle, I think, have overachieved. The first five or six games, fantastic. But they've dropped off a cliff in performance and it's taken a few Russell Wilson miracles to win a couple of games there late on. Um, I mean, the Falcons, God knows what they could be like. The Eagles probably will get worse. The Vikings are still going to be rubbish. Depends whether they keep their coach or not, but we'll see. Uh, the Bears are going to get worse. The Packers can't keep this up forever, can they? Please go god um and then uh, the, the one i'm worrying about is the afc north because i think the bengals are going to get better they're going to have a few high draft picks to complement the few high draft picks they've had before they've got a good coach 
if he hangs on to his job. Uh, and then, you know, the Browns, the Ravens and the Steelers are not getting worse. So that's going to be, I think, our toughest division. I could see us going 0-4 against them. Um, the Broncos, I think, are going to get worse. I just don't believe in that organisation at all. I have less faith in them than I do in us, and that's saying something. Aaron? We have got the dreaded bird gauntlet next year as well, if you've not noticed. All five bird teams and nobody, uh, no team has ever successfully completed the bird, the bird gauntlet and achieved five wins against the five bird teams. So um, I don't know what the record is for teams losing to all five bird teams. Could potentially be a first there, uh, um, a yeah, league record. Um, being shit on by a bird is supposed to be good luck. So fingers crossed that I might get some luck out of it. Yeah, you know, as much as that, that, that could be some truth in it, 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 in it. But I'm not going to walk outside and just wait for that to happen. Um, you, know, you, you don't go out to be shit on by a bird. Uh, in fact, I go out and if I have to, if I have to, I will actively avoid that happening to me. If I'm honest, um, good luck. If, if we can finish next season getting angry, getting angry letters from Peter for all the birds we've destroyed that year, then I think we've had a good one. So you know, I'll I'll settle for that. I think what what concerns me about the schedule is that you know we're already our recent record against divisional rivals is really poor. Um, you've got to compete with that and then you've got to compete with the difficulty of, you know, some of those teams that we've named. It really does leave us with an uphill battle to to have anything like a season there and I don't think we should say, you know, that we're going to uh, tank in, in a, a head coach's first season and think that that's going to be okay because I don't think, you know, anyone in the in the leadership team is going to find that acceptable next season either. Um, in terms of trying to make a step forward. So it's a tough one looking at the schedule, but then, you know, we don't know what the draft's going to look like. We don't know what free agency is going to look like. We don't know, you know, what, what we're going to do in terms of movements in the off season, miracles in terms of head coach and GM. So, you know, uh, this is me striking a more optimistic tone to end with. Well, the, I think the question we all want to know is where, which away trip do you want to do next year? Because you like your away <laughs> trips, don't you? Yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. Um, definitely not. Uh, well, actually, I, I wouldn't mind going to the Baltimore home game, to be honest. That's my sister's team, so I wouldn't mind seeing us play the Ravens. But it'd be, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding out much hope for that, for that game. But let's see. If going away games, yeah, it'll be good. To, it'll be good. If we're going away games, I'd love to go to that Seattle one. Uh, but I just, I just think Seattle's like not not as not even just for the game, but for the city. I think Seattle's a lovely city. One I'd love to visit. Favorite American if city. Picking if if you were paying for me to go on a holiday, Ant, which I hope that's what you're offering, um, I'll I'll take Seattle. Thank you very much. Well, I, I know Ryan was absolutely gutted that the Cincinnati fixture was a home one because I know he really wanted to go to uh, Cincinnati, didn't you, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, nah, that's definitely not the top list. But I agree with Aaron that. Uh, I'm hoping for back-to-back away weeks in, which is a difficult one anyway, but they're all difficult games as they should be. Um, 
uh, Seattle, obviously, because it'd be great to get there and experience the fans of Seattle and everything and have a good time. And I know a few people there. And then, um, yeah, LA, I'd like to go to LA again. It's a great city. I really enjoyed my time there. So, but to be honest with you, uh, we'll see how it goes because they're all decent on paper. But uh, uh, Pittsburgh would probably be a laugh. And I bet you Cleveland would be great as well. So, Either way, hopefully we get a nice early Monday night game or something like that, and that'd be good to break up the week a bit or whatever. But we'll see how it goes. You know, um, yeah. it, you know, lots of chop, chopping and changing to go in Detroit, and we'll be there for every step of the way. I don't know exactly when the games are going to be, but if I repeat my cancelled holiday, which was scheduled for October, November last year, which was going to be LA, San Francisco, Vegas, potentially I will be in LA when we're playing the Rams. So that's going to be pretty cool if that's just coincidentally when it's going to be, or maybe I extend the holiday by a week. That's going to be fun. Well, we, we mentioned... Yeah, well, yeah, and Seattle's only about an hour an hour flight as well, so you should not be too bad. So even True. if you had to jump on a flight, it's like it's like jumping on a bus here. It's They come so regularly, like you just fly over for the day. I've done that when I was in LA. Sorry, Vegas. I may well keep my powder dry for a uh, and save it up for a Raiders away game. I think that would be one. Mm. Mm. I'm shocked by the lack of responses of people wanting to go for Green Bay on here. I mean, you know, top number one destination, that isn't it? <laughs> he yeah. says mocking. He says mockingly. No, I think we we mentioned before as well. Though we've got the Falcons away. Um, you know, you, I, get, I think Atlanta's a city I'd love to go to. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. But at the same time, you know. I think it was Ryan who said the Falcons were looking to give up a home game this year. The Lions were looking to come over to London this year um, as an away team. That is a matchup that could potentially happen in London if if things go right. So, you know, fingers crossed, something like that happens. Yeah. I think what we're saying is if there are any American listeners here in any of these cities or in Detroit, you know, we're coming next year. So if you want to give us some... Uh, you know, accommodation, anything, whatever, come with us, come join us. Be great. Right. Uh, any more business? I'll mention that, Ryan, in a second. But any more business from anyone else? Any comments? Oh, right. So just to finish on a high note, I guess it's a high note, but it's not really a high note. It's been a long time. But 29 years ago today, the Lions won their last playoff game. So, I mean, my God, <laughs> it was a long time ago. Well, there we go. Is anyone from this pod still alive? Oh, well, I think is, is it still alive? Still alive, still alive, <laughs> alive at the time. I was only about like a year old, so is anyone like old enough to remember that? I'm not to finish the conversation off. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can I just can I just say I was the only one who was not alive at that time? Yeah. So what you're telling us, Aaron, is since you've been born, we have not won a playoff game. No, it was about three years after. I know a lad. Who, I, I was I saw a lad before he was born the day after. It's his fault. It'd be 29 tomorrow. His fault. Nice. Right. Our next podcast will be next Wednesday, Wednesday the 13th of January. A little bit of a longer gap than we're used to, but obviously the Lions are done. In that podcast, we will do a review of the entire season, a quick little award show, and a review of how the Royal Lions co-hosts did in their pre-season predictions. Uh, we also have a writer joining us, so check us out on our blog. Ryan, he will be uh, Ryan McCluskey. He will be doing a season review piece for us, so check that out. Uh, so our socials as well. Don't forget to add us, comment, rate, 
do what you want on Facebook, Detroit Lions Fans UK one Pride Worldwide. On Twitter, it's ROTL underscore UK. On Instagram, ROTL.UK. And that blog is at RoarOfTheLionsUK.com. Please rate us five stars. If you can't, tell us why. Then rate us five stars. Thank you very much. Um, we will probably uh, this weekend and throughout the playoffs be doing little watch parties. I know that a lot of the guys watch most of the games that happen through the week. I will certainly be there at least for some of it. So do come and join us for those as well. I think it starts at 1 p.m. US at Eastern time, 6 p.m. UK on Saturday. So that'd be great. Uh, just like to thank the boys for the season. It's been a, I could, I wish I could say it's been a fun season, but it's been a fun one with you boys. Uh, so my thanks to Aaron, Martin, Ryan, and Anne. I'm Matthew Turner. We will see you next week. Let's go, Lions. One pride. 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 One pride. And Happy New Year. 